Really appreciate that opportunity to worship in song this morning. So we're going to continue our series uh, called uh, Who, What, and Why We Are this morning. And, and we're going to do that by, by just briefly looking at our core values. Uh, you see the nice banners behind me, the light over here, and then in the acronym LIGHT, what it means there are our core values. And, and those aren't just listed on the wall uh, to make a pretty decoration. Um, it's because uh, of what we believe is uh, foundational and essential for us as a church. So we're going to look at those things uh, briefly, um, but before we do that, uh, our theme verse uh, for this series has been Hebrews 2.1, which states, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Why? So that we do not drift away from it. Let's pray. Father God, we are uh, oh so grateful for your word, that we can look to it to keep us standing firm. And we just pray that today you would lead and guide in, our, in, in this time of preaching, that I wouldn't say or do anything that would hinder the message that you want uh, to be proclaimed today. That your Holy Spirit would be free to work in our hearts and lives to keep us from distractions, but more importantly, to do the work that He desires to do in each one of us. So we, we ask for you to do that work today. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. So quite a few years ago, our, our uh, district superintendent, Greg Fell, um, facilitated a, a meeting uh, amongst um, uh, many in the congregation and the leaders through uh, taking us through an exercise intended to help us identify our uh, church core values. Now, core values are not the things we think we should be like. I mean, if it's something that we think we should be uh, doing, but we're not actually living that out or, or acting that way, then that's a desire of the heart, but not a, a core value. A core value is a, a deep-seated belief that we hold on to that then guides and influences all of our actions. So just as an example, I mean, groups have it, as individuals as well. I, I have a core value uh, of having fun. Now, I have other ones, too, uh, just, just to let you know. But um, most people have, you know, between five and seven core values that really uh, they live by. But having fun is one of mine. And, and because that's a, a core value for me, uh, it affects the choices and the decisions that I make uh, day in and day out. Um, I have a lot of projects that need to be done around the house. Some of them have needed to be done for many, many moons. But see, when, when I have free time, the choice of what should I do now is very often influenced by that core value of having fun. And uh, therefore, work just doesn't seem to be as high on the pro uh, priority list. Now, sometimes duty wins out. And, I, and I'll do the jobs that I need to do, usually with a bit of muttering and, and complaining, because 
I'd rather be having fun, right? That's, that's just part of who I am. It's a core value. And, and, you know, we all live by core values. Even if you've never thought about yours, never took time to sit down and think through that, delineate what yours are, you're living by them. And, and an individual's core values are what you truly believe is most important deep down inside. And you have to understand that. It's not what you say you believe or even what you want to believe. It's what you actually believe. Because, see, sometimes we fool ourselves into saying, yes, I believe this thing. But the way we consistently live and how we make our choices will actually reveal what we we truly believe. That's going to prove where that is because our core values are those things that influence those choices. So again, for an example, and I've run across people like this, maybe you have too, you have someone that will say, man, I believe that people should stand up for, for what they know is true, what they believe in, what they think is true. They, it doesn't matter if they have to stand alone and, and be against the crowd. I believe that that's how we should be. And that's, that's what I am. I am going to, to stand alone no matter what, as long as I know it's, it's for something that is, is true and important. And, and they can say that that's what they believe. But then whenever they're faced with a choice to stand alone, go against the crowd or to capitulate and be accepted and admired by them, if they consistently give in to the will of the crowd, then what they say they believe is not really the core value that they're holding deep in their heart. Chances are, somewhere down deep inside, they have a belief that it is better to be accepted by the group for whatever reason. And that belief then guides their behavior. We act based on what we truly believe is most important for us and and for our well-being um, and what is true deep down inside. And that's that's what our core values are. And again, it's for an individual, but the same thing is true for a group, for a local church. We have values that, that guide our choices and our activities. There's tons of things that churches can do. How, how do you decide? And when Greg Fell came, he, he helped us to identify those values and, th- and then challenged us to think uh, about what we normally did and how we responded and acted as a church. That's how, you can, that's how you can identify your core values. Go back and say, how did I react? What did I do? Uh, uh, these types of things. It's not about what we thought we should be or do as a church, but what we were actually doing. And then you have to think about the reason why behind it, right? Why did I make that choice? Why did I do that? And, and once you start answering that why question, that's when you start getting down to your core values. And as we went through that process, we as a church came up with, with five different ones. And so then he told us we needed to create a way uh, that would make them easy to remember. And so we did a little wordsmithing with, with each one until we were able to come up with something where we could spell this acronym of LIGHT. 
And, and you see it on the banner on the, the screens as well, light. Uh, and these are not listed in any particular order. Uh, and definitely not order of importance, right? Because they're all equally important. And they're simply arranged that way so we could spell the word light. Um, because we thought that would be a lot more memorable than something like flig. Uh, you, you know, um, uh, you know, with with light, I mean, you can come up with nifty models, right, for the church. Or something. You know, a, a light on the hill. That sounds a lot better than a flig on the hill. Um, you know, I mean, who wants to be known as a flig? If flig sounds like something your cat did behind the couch. And you're like, oh, gross, what is that? Ooh, flig, you know, and, and so, yeah, we, we don't want that. So um, we'll get back to light. Let's go back to the light acronym. That's, that's better. Um, so you'll notice in these, these five core values, we have included in them the, the two pillars or, or foundational truths uh, of the mission of the church that we looked at last week when, when Jesus gave that mission. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, right? baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And there's two basic activities that all churches, any true church, should be involved in. I mean, certainly there are some groups that they call themselves a church, but if they're not doing these two things, then they've completely missed the priorities that Jesus Christ has given for them. And so the first of those two activities was reaching people with the gospel of forgiveness and salvation, right? The, the gospel of grace and life. That's what Jesus meant when he said, go therefore and make disciples. And, and that, of course, corresponds with the G, the gospel sharing uh, on our banner. So what does that mean for us as a church if that's a, if that's a core value? And, and when we answer that question, what does that mean for us? We have to think... Um, uh, we have to answer that question on two different levels, right? Uh, That one and and all the core values, right? Because first we have to think of us uh, ourselves individually um, because the church is people, right? We we looked at that the first week. And not just any people who want to gather themselves together and call themselves a church. You have a lot of things out there that call themselves a church that are far, far away from from the biblical definition of a church. The true church is composed of all those who have by faith received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are the church. And and so we have to think on that individual level. What does that mean for me if you've made yourself a part of this gathering? Um, but then we also have to think of it collectively. What's that mean for us, right? Because Jesus Christ has called uh, the church to gather together into local congregations for the edification and building up and encouragement and training and teaching uh, of the church so we can all work together to accomplish his mission. So, so we need to think of it uh, on those two different levels. What, what does it mean to be gospel-sharing? Well, first of all, it means that we accept and understand the primacy of the gospel. I mean, this is the way of salvation. 
I mean, Jesus made a very exclusive statement just shortly before he was betrayed and arrested and, and, and condemned and crucified. And in answering, uh, in answering a question posed by one of the, the 12 disciples, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I mean, that's, that's pretty clear, isn't it? There's no way to get to heaven or to be right with God the Father except through Jesus Christ. And that statement is either very arrogant or very ign- ignorant or very accurate. And every single person in this world has to decide which of those three options they're going to believe. Because, see, if they put it into the category of arrogant and or ignorant, then they can discard all of Jesus' teachings or at least minimize them. You know, they can start picking and choosing and doing what they, they want with it. But if that statement is accurate then that means entrusting ourselves to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ is the only logical, intelligent response. And Jesus didn't just make that statement out of the blue. He, he backed it up, uh, his claims, with many convincing proofs. Uh, all of the prophecies that were fulfilled in him and, and all the undisputable miracles that he performed to authenticate who he was. But perhaps most of all, it was proved through his resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it in the uh, first chapter of Romans, it says, Jesus was declared the Son of God with power through the resurrection of the dead. And, and because of that, he, he went on to say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jew first because it came to the Jewish nation and then spread from there. And the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ is salvation to everyone, it says. No matter what nation or kindred, or tongue they might be, no matter what skin color or social status, no matter what depths of sin may or may not be yours. The gospel is the means of salvation to everyone. The apostles who had followed Jesus during his three years of ministry and and knew him most intimately obviously believed that Jesus' claim of exclusivity was accurate. They proclaimed the gospel wherever they went. As Luke records their activities in the book of Acts, uh, he said this about Jesus, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men whereby we must be saved. We we are gospel-sharing because we know the importance of it. It is the cure for what ails every single person in this world. It's the gospel and nothing else. 
And maybe there would be some who might be tempted to think, well, I'm not, I don't know if that's true because I've talked to lots of people who uh, say that other religions have worked for them. Right? It's, it's worked. And, and the truth is there's a lot of competing religions in this world. And most of them have some good things about them, Right? Most of these religions will teach you to, you know, treat other people well and to be kind and to be honest and, you know, th- th- stuff like that. And if you're asking the wrong question, well, then the fact is there's many religions that might work for various people. I've had people tell me that they tried Christianity and it didn't work for them. And, and then uh, some that will go back and they, they tried, you know, native uh, uh, spirituality or Hinduism or Buddhism or New Age or usually it's some self-made combination of a variety of these things. And that worked. That, that worked for me, they'd say. And you see, if you're asking the question, how can I be a better person? How can I cope? with the things of this life? How can I get along better in this world? How can I feel more at peace? If it's all about you and how you live and how you feel in this world, well, yeah, then many religions might work, at least temporarily. Because, you know, they can give you some techniques about dealing with stress or facing problems or uh, having a better attitude, this type of thing. That's the question you're asking. But if you're asking the question, how can my sins be forgiven so that I can be made right with God and save my eternal soul? Well, then there's only one right answer. And that is the gospel of grace through Jesus Christ. And gospel sharing means that we as individuals will accept that and embrace that gospel for ourselves, for our own salvation. And and then furthermore, it means that we would, would gladly share what Jesus has done for us and with us to, to those around us. We'll, we'll be on mission here in Hot Springs and, and, and wherever God would send us. And collectively, as a church, it means that we will preach and teach the truth that Jesus saves. And that His salvation is not something that can be earned or merited or achieved through human effort or by uh, all your works, but rather that it is a free gift and, and, and that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It also means that we would be committed to supporting missionaries around the world and, and that we'd be willing to send out, even from our own, those who feel called to go and spread that news. That's what it means to be gospel sharing. 
It means that as individuals, we would be intentionally thinking about how can I exhibit Christ in my life so people will see? How can I create conversations? It'll mean we as a church keep that as a primary focus. Now again, we, we could say a lot more, but as I, I said at the beginning, we're just going to briefly run through uh, these, uh, these five core values in our acronym. So our LIGHT acronym also covers the second pillar of the church that we looked at uh, last week, the mission that Jesus gave us, when he said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, right? Uh, our work is not only to reach out to those who are still without Christ, but to instruct and to teach those who have come to faith in Jesus for salvation. Uh, and this, this is often the element that is in our culture called uh, discipleship. It's that teaching part. And, and as we said last week, that the teaching there is not just an academic exercise. It's not merely knowledge that, uh, that you gain, but rather teaching for transformation, for life change. As the verse says, to observe what, what Jesus has called us to do. Uh, and... Uh, so in reality you can describe that very easily as as we're about helping each individual take the next step of obedience in their life and and we're all on that unless there's anybody here that's perfect we're all still learning and taking steps of obedience in our life And, and we're called to help each other do that and on our banner this particular um uh core value falls under the heading of inspired by biblical truth now, typically we use that word inspired in two different ways the first is in terms of directing actions okay maybe maybe you've asked somebody the question oh what inspired you to do that or, or maybe you asked it what inspired you to do that right <laughs> e- e- either way Right? Either way, you're asking the same question. You're, you're, you're wanting to find out what their motivation was, what motivated them, what, what led them, uh, what guided them to that particular action. Uh, but the second way it is used is, is more of an emotional way. Maybe you say, man, I, I was really inspired by that song. And by this, we usually mean it, that, it, that it encouraged us. It, it built us up. It gave us a, an emotional and spiritual shot of adrenaline, right? It, it boosted us. So what this, this core value says is that the Bible, God's Word, Scripture, is going to be what we turn to for instruction, guidance, motivation, encouragement, hope, peace, whatever it is we need as, as we're following Jesus in this broken world. It's the truth of the Bible that will inspire our actions, our thinking, and our hearts. So what does that mean for us as a church? And remember, when I ask that question, we have to ask, answer it individually and collectively. So it begins with each and every one of us accepting the Word of God as the sole and final authority and guide for life. 
in all matters of faith and in practical living in this world, we will turn to the Bible for instruction and aid to, to inform our thinking and to guide our decisions. And, and King David uh, uh, stated this truth in, in a poetic way in Psalm 119, 105, right? When he said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right? The, the, the truth is, we live in a dark world, right? It is dark because of sin and brokenness. It's dark because of ignorance, especially spiritual ignorance. It's, it's dark because we lack knowledge on, on what's the best thing to do in in various situations and it's dark because we can't see what's coming down the road. It's dark. It's God's Word that will provide the light we need to guide the next step and every step that follows. In fact, the Bible teaches us that, that, that the, our need for the Word of God is so great. The Apostle Peter described it like this. He said, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it, Word, you may grow in respect to salvation. There, there's only one way to grow in your salvation once you get saved, and that is through God's Word. Now think about it. How much do babies, newborn, newborn babies long for milk? Right? The, the truth is, it is all they want. Orange juice, coffee, a big thick juicy steak, pizza, all that be rejected, right? The only thing on their mind, the only thing they want, the only thing they'll accept is milk. And that is the attitude that we're supposed to have towards the Word of God because it is uh, this life-sustaining source for us. And and notice Peter says to long for the the pure milk of the Word. There are all kinds of books and videos and blogs and whatever else out there that purport to teach you the truths uh, of the Bible. And some of them, men, are excellent and, and some uh, are, are really good and some pretty good and, and some a little iffy and some are just downright rubbish. So how do you know the excellent from the trash? Only by going to the pure teaching of the Bible and comparing there what it says. You, you therefore have to know what the Word of God says, which means it's important. It's of value uh, for you to read it for yourself. I mean, that's why uh, most times when I preach, I'm going to tell you, open your Bible and look at this verse or why we display the, the Scriptures on the screen. I want you to see what is there, the, the verses that we're preaching from. Don't, don't take my word for it. Go to the Bible. Check it out. Study it. Memorize it. And that way, when any teacher 
any preacher comes along and says, hey, man, you should do this because, you know, that's what the Bible says, you're going to know then whether you, you toss that in the rubbish or, or put it up uh, on the shelf with excellent teachings. We need to remember that Jesus taught that there would be all kinds of false teachers who would come in his name, he says. That means, that means they're going to be claiming to be Christians, to be pastors, to be spiritual leaders. So no matter what the source or who the source, everything we hear needs to be compared and scrutinized against the pure word of God. For us collectively, it means, again, that same thing as it does for us individually, but it also uh, means that we will, as a church, use God's Word as the basis for all of our preaching, teaching, counseling, and anything else and everything else that we do. I mean, if you came to me or, or, or one of the elders and you're asking for advice, we're not going to say, well, you know, I, I saw in psychology today that, you know, maybe you should try this or that. It's not going to happen. We're going to say, let's go to the Word of God and see what He says. If you ask a Sunday school teacher, small group, BLT, a question about life, they're not going to say, well, you know, the other day I heard Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or Oprah or whoever else, right? As a church, we're going to go and say, let's see what the Bible says. I have a pastor friend of mine who, who um, started out uh, many years ago as, as a youth pastor. And uh, when he first came out of college, he, he got a job with a mainline denomination that wasn't really the best fit for where he was spiritually and, and theologically and stuff. But, but he needed a job. And he thought, well, maybe I can... Uh, be a positive uh, spiritual influence in this church. And he was there for a few years, and he said, uh, one Sunday, the pastor, because uh, pa- uh, uh, a different church than ours, the pastor would always come from the back and walk up before the time of preaching. And he, says, he said, one time, the pastor came up, and he was carrying Reader's Digest. And, and this friend of mine said, oh, good. Uh, maybe this guy is going to use a current cultural uh, event for for an illustration or something because apparently nothing current had come out of this guy's mouth for many decades, and and and, uh, and so he thought that would, would would at least help people connect. But nope, that was not the case. This pastor spoke on one of the articles in the Reader's Digest for the entire message. Never once was the Bible open. No scripture was ever referenced. In fact, nothing from the Bible, no biblical truth, no biblical principle or idea, was even alluded to during the, almost hate to call it a sermon, because it wasn't a sermon, during the talk. And that's when my friend realized it it was time for him to find a different church. See, our 
core value of being inspired by biblical truth assures you that nothing like that will ever happen here. And if it did, if any Sunday school teacher, any speaker, any preacher, anybody came and did that, I would hope that as a congregation you would be grounded enough in this core value that it would be strong enough in who we are that you would say, hope, this is unacceptable and either you will go to the other word or you will be gone. Because that's who we are. So that's the first two core values. You notice we, we have three more that are left. The gospel sharing, inspired by biblical truth, right? Those are non-negotiable aspects uh, of not only who we are, uh, but the, the mission of the church that Jesus Christ has given. Every single local gathering ought to have that as part of who they are and what they're doing. But then the question for every church becomes, how will we, in our local congregation and in our situation, best uh, present these ideas to our community? The gospel message never changes. The truths of the Bible that transform our life never change. But the presentation and the best method for connecting with people and accomplishing those goals, those things can. And you can see that even from the example of the Apostle Paul, right? When he was preaching to people who were Jews, uh, as you go through the book of Acts and look at, at how he preached, when he was preaching to Jews who knew the Word of God, he would go back to those scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, and, and use points and illustrations from that to make his point. But if he was speaking to a, a Gentile crowd who had no background and no uh, knowledge at all of scripture, you, you will notice that he'll go back to things like creation and, and, and God's existence and, and even using cultural um, uh, illustrations, current cultural illustrations to bolster and make his points. Now, it, it, the gospel never changed. Always it led to Jesus Christ and repentance for sins. He never compromised. But he did approach people in different ways to best connect with him. And, and, and the last three points on, uh, on our acronym of light mostly have to deal with that. How are we going to do that? And and that's what we're going to be looking at next week. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the rock-solid assurance we have in your word through the, the convincing proofs of authenticity in Jesus and in your word that we can be confident, that we can rest assured that this is the truth not a truth, not my truth, not a made-up truth, but the truth. So, Father, we pray that each of us and all of us as a church would have accepted that gospel for ourselves and are sharing it through our life, through our words, with those around us. And that we would always be looking to your word for strength, for guidance, for direction in life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.